Hi everyone, welcome to episode 6 of the Bigger Issues podcast, an opportunity to stay engaged with the Christian ethos of FBS while the school is physically closed. A reminder to keep learning and thinking and questioning as you listen to these podcasts. As always, there'll be some big truth claims made in what we discussed today and you'll need to work out what you think about them. Do make sure you listen back to previous episodes if you've missed them. For example, we had a great chat last week with author Rachel Jones about prayer and about her new book, so do check that one out if you missed it. Now I'm really looking forward to today's pod because it's the first of two episodes where we count down FBS's favourite assembly hymns and songs. We gave all boys and staff an opportunity to vote on your top hymns and songs from the list of the 11 we do and your votes have now been turned into points. So first choice got five points, second choice got four points and so on until we got to your fifth choice which got one point. Okay, that makes sense. I've put all those together and I now have in front of me the final list. Not everyone voted but lots of boys and staff did, enough people and with a wide enough spread that we can be pretty certain that the hymns that have done well are the most popular for the FPS community. So here's how it's going to work. In today's episode we will count down from number seven to number four and in next week's episode we'll do the podium positions number three to number one and we'll find out what is FBS's favourite hymn. And we'll also find out what you chose as your favourite warm-up. For each song I'm going to play a short clip of it. I'm not going to play the whole thing because of copyright law but we can play a short clip under exemptions for criticism and review because we're then going to spend the next few minutes discussing the song, discussing the theological content of it and musical aspects of it and just why we think people voted for it. To do that, I have a panel of staff who don't know the final order. So this is going to be as interesting for them as it is for you. Now, this is the Big Issues podcast. You might think that singing and a vote like this on our favourite hymn isn't a big issue. And you're right that it's, it's just a bit of fun. But the Bible says that singing praise to God and truth to each other is really important. Christians have done it for thousands of years. And when they sing, they are singing about big issues. And they're singing to their creator, saviour and king. And they would say that it doesn't really get any bigger than that. So, what are the top seven FBS hymns 2020 as voted for by you? Let's find out. Okay, so on the panel today, we have three members of staff. Mr. Burns is here for his musical ability and for musical critique. What I actually wanted him to do is just to talk about some of these songs, but you've actually brought your piano with you, sir. Always. I'm looking forward to my first podcast debut. We will hear him playing some of that a little bit later. Miss Day is here again. Nice to have you back, Miss. Hi, Mr. Brian. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Last time you were on the pod, you said you were doing a keepy uppies challenge and you got to five. Do you want to give us an update? I've actually left that challenge because it was um, quite discouraging. I've taken up running instead. Is that going well? Better than keepy ups. Um, you're here for some kind of theological input, theological analysis. And Mr. Brownie's here. How is it? Hello. Uh, Mr. Brownie's here because he just likes assembly singing, I think. Love, love that. Everyone... Mr. Burns, he's got his musical knowledge. Miss Day, theological expert. Mr. Brown just likes it. Just That's really likes it. Chaplin singing. Yeah. I do. And you've been a fan of the podcast since its I very have. beginning, about four weeks ago. So not very long that you've been listening in. Yeah, definitely. I think it's been initially just quite reassuring to hear your voice, Chaplin. And, and that of uh, Mr. O'Donnell's, I think, was the first one I listened to. And it was just quite, I think, when we are in lockdown and all these uncertain times quite nice to hear people's voices that you're used to hearing every morning but the content as well i think it's been really interesting to hear people's views um people's favorite verses and what people have been getting up to in the lockdown sort of connecting everyone together so no i've been a big fan 
Okay, so we are going to count down the top seven, and none of you know the order. This is going to be interesting. Mr. Burns, I'm not going to ask you to predict what you think would be top, but how confident would you be if you had to guess on it? I don't know about the number one, because I think there are a lot of good ones on there. It's very hard to, to say. Different people have got different opinions. I reckon I could probably guess the top three or top four pretty accurately, but I would struggle probably with the number one. Okay, so here is number seven. Let me just play you a little bit of it. So number seven, of course, is Abide With Me, based on lyrics that were written by Anglican minister Henry Francis Light in 1820. And it was first sung at his funeral, um, which in itself is quite interesting because someone once said that it is a hymn that looks death in the face. It's often associated with suffering. It's also associated with the FA Cup final. I've done some research. It's really hard to find a clear reason why we still sing it at the FA Cup final. There are reasons why it was sung originally, but now the connection is beyond me. I, I personally have quite fond memories of it from our remembrance service. Where we had a little staff choir uh, singing it in four part. I think I think that's when it really shines musically when you hear all the harmony parts coming together. I, I think the yeah the, the melody and the harmony together is just really beautiful. Yeah, definitely. I this is the, when the FS visits choir. I'd never been in a choir before. It was my first ever experience of it, and I just remember loving doing that tenor part with a very enthusiastic Mr. Hartigan, um, <laughs> and it really brought it to life <laughs> um it's just it's such a it's you don't appreciate the song until you hear as you said mr burns all those parts come together and it's one of the few songs it's definitely the most i think sad and moving songs we do but it's one of the few songs where you'd never get you know your head of house or mr ebenezer at the front saying take the roof off because you, you just don't want to you know you want to relish the melody and the lyrics and it's it's kind of i can see why it's popular it looks really powerful. Um, I know uh, that Mr. O'Donnell, this was the one that he voted for as his top um, hymn. And he said that it was because the lyrics were so powerful and also remembering singing it in childhood. Miss Day, what's going on in these lyrics particularly? Part of it is in a way quite sad. It's about people going through really hard times, but God being with them. So the word abide kind of means remain with me. So it's talking about people going through hard times, but God remaining with them through everything and how earth's joys might pass away but god will be with them and we see that like throughout the bible so we see john talks about remaining in god john 15 verse 4 where it says remain in me as i also remain in you and we also have several verses in the bible where we talk about god comforting people and giving strength god is our refuge and strength in psalm 41 
Yeah, and as I mentioned a couple of minutes ago, it, he wrote it um, facing death, not his death, actually, the death of a friend. I think that's what inspired it. But there was first song at his funeral. And I think he based it on Luke chapter 24, verse 29. 28 says, as the disciples approached the village where they were going, Jesus continued as if he were going further, but they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And so that abiding, that remaining with us is a, a request to God to remain with us. And I think as we've said in Chapman's Assembly before, Mr. Burns, when we've introduced it, it is a prayer to God that God promises to answer that if you're a Christian, God says, I am with you. I'm with you, whatever comes, whatever storms come, whatever troubles come, I am with you and I hold you in my hands rather than us kind of holding on to God in some kind of way. And I think the, the lyrics of verse four, the final verse as well, are you know, so centered on the gospel and the hope for Christians. It says, hold thou thy cross before my closing eyes, shine through the gloom and point me to the skies. Heaven's morning breaks and earth faint shadows flee in life and in death. O Lord, abide with me. So he's not saying, God, if I trust you, if I'm a Christian, nothing's gonna, bad is going to happen to me. He's not saying that. He's saying God is faithful through death. Even if he dies, he will still be uh, held up by God. He'll still be loved by God and he'll have eternity with Jesus. So it's a really hopeful one, um, as well as being one that's often sung in, in quite kind of sad situations. So that was number seven, Abide With Me. And here is number six. That was number six. Of course, all creatures of our God and King. We've got 11 hymns people were choosing from. Would you have expected it to be in the top six? I'm very surprised. I'm very, I'm what? really surprised that was there. Because I think it's quite a new one we brought in. But it it's kills it's, me to it's me. the newest one we brought in. It's a great hymn, but it's a bit bizarre. Like You're never sure if it's going to go up or down next. And it's one of them, when you first hear it, you're, you're getting caught out constantly. And I'm, I'm never sure if I'm getting higher or lower. And I find myself just shuffling towards someone that's good at singing and so maybe that's why people voted for they 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 like the challenge perhaps it definitely kind of zips all over the place in terms of melody and i, I mean yeah i'm i'm a little bit surprised as you say it's, it's one of the newer ones but I, I think it does give people quite a good opportunity to to sing out you know on the hallelujah hallelujah stretch their legs if you know what i mean in a, in a vocal sense yeah so i'm a little surprised but i'm not completely shocked yeah, so this had quite a lot of votes. Or, yeah, yeah, quite a lot of votes from people who put it as their second choice or their third choice. So not many people had it as their first. They, this hymn is the newest hymn or song that we've introduced, but it's actually one of the oldest hymns in the world. So it's written by St. Francis of Assisi in 1225, so 800 years ago, almost exactly. And it was originally written as a poem, and then it was put into hymn form at the start of the 20th century. But it's basically based on words from 800 years ago. Miss Day, what's what's going on in this one? 
Yeah, so this hymn is based on Psalm 148, which, so David wrote the Psalms and they were all like songs or prayers to God. And this Psalm is all about how all of nature praises God. So it says some of the words in it are really similar to what is actually in the hymn. So words like praise him, sun and moon, praise him, all you shining stars, praise him, you great sea creatures and all ocean depths. So I think this is really great lyrics because it's all about how all of nature and the whole world praises God. Yeah, and that's why it's often used as an opening hymn, certainly in the church I go to, because it's calling people to praise God. And I just love the universal nature of it. It's it's not saying these particular groups should praise God. It's saying everyone should because it's God's world. I guess that's the logic there. It talks about the Trinity. It talks about Father, Son, and Spirit. That version that we were listening to um, is from uh, Sovereign Grace Music, from their Prayers of the Saints live album, which I'd uh, really recommend. Uh, they've actually added a couple of verses, which are really nice at the end. And they do it in a really upbeat way. It, but it's an interesting one, isn't it, Mr. Burns? Because there are some tr- very traditional versions, and then there are some modern versions. But the modern versions are split between those that are very upbeat with a driving beat, like that one was, um, and also ones that are quite mellow and laid back and quite slow. Uh, so there's a Dave Crowder version, which some of you might be familiar with. Yeah, so it can be done in lots of different ways. It's quite versatile. Mm. I, th- I think with quite a few of these hymns, actually, they can be pushed or pulled in any direction musically. I think it works quite well often to have, yeah, to have a, a, a full band behind it, or it can just be quite a simple thing, you know, just piano and vocals like we often do. Yeah, and I think I think it changes the the impact, I guess, of of the song and of of the lyrics. They might resonate with you in a different way. So if we do it in a more, uh, you know, a, a slower tempo maybe a bit more stripped back instrumentally, you might engage with the lyrics on a slightly more reflective note. And then with a full band, it might feel a little bit more triumphant. So I think the the band and the instrumentation really can can shape how you perceive a song. And that applies to quite a number of our hymns, actually. And is that something you sort of consider when you're arranging it, Mr. Burns? Do you think about the tempo and where you're going to, what key to put it in and what the effect of the sound and versus, I guess, reflection of the lyrics? Yeah, I, I certainly think about what, what key we're going to sing it in, try and balance the, the high notes and the low notes. Some of these songs, which we'll probably touch on a bit later, have a really wide range. So it's quite hard to find a key that an 11-year-old boy and a you know 35-year-old man can sing equally well. So it can be quite a challenge to, to find a key that, that works for all. So apologies for those of you listening, staff and students alike, for whom <laughs> the songs are in a, a difficult key. Stick with it. Do your best. <laughs> it's, a, uh, it's a really good question, Mr. Brownie. I, I think when I do it in services, it partly depends um, when I do it in church. It partly depends on when it happens. So I think if it was the opening song, you'd maybe do it in the style of the recording we've just played. But if it's later in the service, you might do it in a more reflective way. With all of these um, songs and hymns we're doing, some people have chosen some, some people have chosen others. Some people might hate some and love some, but that goes with styles as well. So some people will love a style or hate a style. One boy wrote in the voting form, he said, I always have my chapman's assembly on a Monday morning, and I feel like this one is a good hymn that praises God about the creation, and the tune is one which is both meditative and uplifting, and suits the hymn well.
that note is, is always a, a wing stand. It's always yeah. a risk. It's a squeeze. <laughs> you've, got, you've, got to, you've got to squeeze for it. Yeah. So that's where the, sometimes that's where the, the the power of it lies. If you really, well, if you really go for that note, squeeze it out, then it's like more triumphant. I've I've been successful and I've been unsuccessful, <laughs> uh, and it's embarrassing when you don't quite get that one. Okay, so that was A to See the Dawn. Uh, Miss Day, well done. You predicted that one bang on, and I genuinely haven't shown you any of this in a while, have I? So. O to the Dawn, written by Keith and Kristen Getty and also Stuart Townend, who co-wrote loads of other hymns. Um, they produced some fantastic music. Um, they also co-wrote In Christ Alone, a really well-known <clears throat> modern hymn, which is well worth checking out. They're Irish, uh, the Gettys, although they now live in, in America, in Nashville, but they there's kind of an Irish influence to uh, some of their music. If you're from Northern Ireland, it's compulsory that you love this song. This would be the ultimate number one because Northern Irish people love the Gettys. I really like Kristen Getty's vocals on that recording. Interesting fact for you, if you look at the maths and the Bible posters that are around the school in, in, in the math department, you will see a guy there called John Lennox, who's the professor of mathematics at Oxford University, and that is Kristen Getty's uncle, which I think is interesting. Probably no one else does. I see the door. Mr. Brownie, were we expecting this to be in the top five? I thought it'd be higher. I definitely voted for this. I can't remember if I put it second or third, but... This was my first song at FPS that I loved because I think for those reasons we were sort of discussing earlier, it is one that you belt out because otherwise you can't hit those notes. You've really got to go for it. I think when I'd just become head of house, we we picked Dickens did this for a Steadvod and I didn't really understand what a Steadvod was. So we just sort of sung this hymn and everyone else was doing fancy things with theirs like using instruments and harmonies so uh, we just I, I remember um, that was at st paul's um st paul's hammersmith i remember that it was it was a very loud performance it was loud <laughs> and that's what we had because i looked at the other ones i thought they they sound lovely but we can be really loud and i remember it was raining beforehand and everyone else was in their halls but dickens had been put out in the in the playground to rehearse it and we were just belting it out and josh who would now be in year 12 if he was still at the school was just shouting it and that's what I, I know we, we, we came dead last, but it's what I love about music, that sort of ability to stand together. And if you're rubbish or brilliant, just sing the same thing and uh, be passionate about it. So I love this song. Yeah, yeah, it, it was a, uh, yeah, it was a great moment. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Burns, I think this was the first new song that we introduced at FBS when I arrived in the first year. We had four hymns, four traditional hymns. I think this is maybe the first of the newer songs that we introduced. Uh, it's gone down really well, hasn't it? I think people really enjoy singing it. I think what, one of the things I quite like about this song musically is it's got quite a big range. There's quite a lot going on. So we, we start off with that quite low. The dawn of the darkest day. It's quite can be quite reflective. It usually sits quite low in most people's range. And then you get that, we stand forgiven, that, like that kind of um, note that you probably have to uh, stretch for a bit more. And the whole, this, the power, like it just, it feels like you're singing about the power of the cross and it feels like quite a powerful yeah. melody. And it, it's quite a, yeah, it, you, you can kind of get that sense uh, musically as you go through. So I'm a little bit surprised it's fifth. I, I reckon I would have placed it maybe fourth. I don't think it would have broken the top three for me. I think I would have placed it a notch higher. Quite a lot of the boys really liked this. Kamara in year 10 said he really liked the chorus. Actually, loads of boys mentioned uh, the chorus. This is Mr. Smith's choice. Um, uh, one of the year eight boys wrote, I like this song because it is powerful. 
And the build up to the chorus, this is the power of the cross, really highlights Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. So this song basically gives an overview of the cross and the resurrection and like some of the core beliefs in Christianity about Jesus. So the verse that just comes to mind for me is the John 3.16 that so many of you have heard before, but it's this idea for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And if you look through the verses in this song, they're all about Jesus' crucifixion, Christ became sin for us, and then this dead are raised to life and finish the victory cry at the end. So yeah, it's basically an overview of Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection and what that means for people today. All of these lines and all of these lyrics say something really important. I think all of them kind of pack a punch. Even in that um, verse, in the end of the, I haven't got the verse numbers, maybe verse three, maybe. Curtain torn in two, dead are raised to life, finished the victory cry. I think that's such a great lyric, you know, because people looking on at, at this event must be thinking, you know, the disciples are thinking, wow, this is this is a crushing defeat. The, the person who we thought was going to save us is now dying in a horrific way. That's kind of the end of it. We thought this was going to be the, the mm. great victory. And look, he's up there dying and suffering. And, you know, they, they can't necessarily see three days in the future what, what we now know with hindsight. So to say that, that, as Jesus said, it was finished, that's a victory cry. I think is really really interesting yeah and it's like we encourage you to do in chaplain's assembly we want you to sing up we want you to sing things passionately we want you to think about your body posture and you know making that loud proud sounds that mr burns talks about but we also want you to think about the lyrics because these lyrics contain so much theological depth and so much meaning for christians so some of these hymns and songs if you just understood them you'd understand the essence of christianity because it's all in there I think this one's impossible not to reflect on the lyric because it's just so emotive. And I think I guess that is why Christians sing together. It's the emotion that connects you and then you get the reflection of the words as well. But you can't not be emotional, Christian or not, singing this song because the words are so graphic and the chorus is so um, euphoric almost um, and passionate. So, yeah, it, it's, it, it's, it's kind of the perfect song for our boys, I think, to have a go at singing and reflect on christianity we are up to number four and what do we think number four is gonna be mm. oh praise the name yeah why just i think the others are more classic i think oh well. praise the name might get number four just on account of when i saw that title i didn't associate oh, with the song do you know what I mean? I had to sort yeah. of look at the video and go, oh, I love that one. But if it was called, I cast my mind to Calvary, I'd be like, oh, that's not it. Okay, let's find out what number four is. Is Miss Day going to keep going? Miss Day, do you think you can do the final five in order? Yeah. Do you think you're going to get them all right? Yeah. Like that octopus that predicted the Euros. Do <laughs> <laughs> we not get a go then? Do we not, do we not get to play that game? I think I'm just happy to not be yeah, described as an octopus. <laughs>
Okay, so number four is Opos the name or I cast my mind to Calvary. However you want to name it, Mr. Brownie. What a miss day. You're on a bit of a roll here. Um, uh, th- that was written by uh, some of the songwriters from Hillsong in Australia. That's the original version of it, uh, which I think is done really well. Mr. Burns is quite interesting, isn't it? Because I played verse three and this is an unusual song, isn't it? In terms of the melody and what happens when you get to verse three. Yeah, I have quite a fond memory of, um, of, of the first time um, w- w- we came to teach this variation. So normally um, at the end of the verses, it, yeah, it, it goes down. Um, they laid him down in Joseph's tomb, the entrance sealed by heavy stone. Oh, it started too low. <laughs> when, um, um, th- this is why the choosing the key is so crucial. They laid him down in Joseph's tomb, the entrance sealed by heavy stone, Messiah still and all alone. So it actually goes really low, which is why then in, in verse three, when it goes the other way, Oh, trampled death, where is your sting? The angels roar for Christ the King. It makes it more triumphant and it, and it really reflects what the lyrics are about. So if you think about the lyrics of verse two, the entrance sealed by heavy stone, Messiah still and all alone. So it's, it's basically talking about the death um, and Jesus going into the tomb. And as far as everyone is concerned, he's dead. And we're going down in pitch to this kind of rumbly low note on Messiah still and all alone. When you get to verse three, it's the opposite of that because it's saying, death, where is your sting? You know, the angels roar for Christ the King. It's really evocative language. And it and because of the, the pitch, you kind of, as a singer, have to go there as well. You have to kind of roar as part of it. You have to really go for those top notes. And yeah, I have very fond memories of the first time we tried to teach us and everyone looked at me like I was mad, thinking, oh, we're never going to sing that. And then they went for it and thought, oh, that's quite fun, actually. Quite like that. <laughs> And I think all the houses responded really well to it and it worked really, really well. I thought you introduced it really well. Apart from Wilberforce, who, when we got to the second week, I think you forgot that they'd missed their assembly in the first week. <laughs> so when we got to verse three, you then said, remember what happens in verse three? And they didn't know. And <laughs> that didn't work well. But when, I, I when think was this one introduced? How, when, what year was this introduced? I think this song? maybe two years ago. You have much maybe, better memory. Yeah, maybe three idea. years ago. Brown. I just, I just turn I up in the morning reason, and... and and do what I'm told. But it's, it's yeah. a great one. I think the verse three, once you get it, it is a really, uh, it's a wonderful change in melody, isn't it? Yeah, it's, um, especially because the, the end of the other verses is so low. It's quite unsatisfying to sing in that really low part of your register that's just a bit grumbly. You can't really project. It doesn't really have that much resonance unless you've got a really strong natural bass voice. But for a lot of our boys, a lot of the staff, and for me, I'm more of a tenor, so it's so it, it just lacks of that that resonance. So it's a bit unsatisfying to sing the end of the verses melodically. Oh, praise the name is quite similar to Oh to See the Dawn in terms of what it talks about. So it goes through the main events um, and in the Easter story, so Jesus's crucifixion and his resurrection. One of the things I really like about this hymn is that it makes it personal as well. So it talks about the response of Christians to that and how it affects them, which I think is really, really nice in this, where it's the story of Jesus, but also what that means to Christians personally. Okay, so that is number seven to number four in our FBS top hymns.
So the podium position is still to go, and we will do that next episode. We're also at the start of next episode. We are going to find out what your favorite warm-up is. Uh, Miss Burns, we said at the start of this, we get to hear you play piano. You brought your piano. Uh, we haven't actually. Are we going to definitely hear it next time? I promise. Promise, I promise, next time. Do you want to play something just to show that you've definitely got piano? Um... There wow. we go. So you can look forward to that next episode. So uh, come back next time and we will see you then.